0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sideline Sportscast. We're here with episode 12, coming at you May 28th, 2021. Um, got some, uh, all, some stories from all across the board this evening. Going to talk some golf, some uh, more NFL free agency, and then we got playoffs, basketball and hockey, so we're going to dive into that a little bit. But uh, before we jump into all the topics tonight, as always, this is uh, your host, Brian, alongside with um, my buddy Logan here. Good evening. And uh, Logan, why don't you uh, take us into what we're drinking this evening?
1: Yeah, I got uh, a beer that I've not had before. It's from uh, Stone Brewery. It's called Buena uh, Veza. It's a salt and lime lager. So not had this one before. So let's try it out. You know, they call it
0: a lager, but it's a uh, it's very light, very light beer. It is to me. Um, you know, I don't, I, my first thought is it has a very Corona esque type taste, but with a more like fruity forward taste to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But super, super light.
1: Yeah, it's very crisp though. It's very, um, it's pretty balanced too. None of the flavor profiles really stand out like over the others. They all kind of work together here.
0: I mean, it's it's good. Um, you know, good. you've really been surprising me with these
1: non uh, IPA v- varieties over the last few weeks that we uh, you've picked the beer. But uh, I like to mix it up. I, I mean, I like IPAs, but I mean, I drink just about anything. And uh,
0: just for anyone listening, again, that's, uh, what is this, Stone? Stone Buena Vizza. All right,
1: Check it out. You got it from Publix? No, this actually came from Whole Foods. All right. Well,
0: Whole Foods, national brand. Go out, check them out.
1: If, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's available nationwide. If any of our uh,
0: very brief and non-descriptive <laughs> descriptions made you want to taste it, uh-huh. go out and get some. But um, before we jump into... Uh, the main topics for this evening. As always, don't forget to check us out on the social media, uh, Sideline Casters on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, Facebook's the place to go for our you know, daily or weekly posts. Every week we got some uh, dedicated fans um, and ex hosts posting to the page. So uh, take a look. Uh, but with that being said, head into the uh, first topic of the evening. Uh, Over the weekend, Phil Mickelson won his sixth major at the PGA Championship, becoming um, the oldest player to win a major at the age of 50. Mickelson uh, bogeyed six holes in the final round to finish one over on Sunday, six under for the tournament, and two shots ahead of the field. For 53 years, Julius Boros held the distinction of Goff's oldest major champion. He was 48 when he won the 1968 PGA Championship in San Antonio. The record now belongs to Mickelson, whose legacy is as much rooted in his longevity as much as it is in his skill. So, Logan, what does this sixth major for Lefty mean for his overall legacy?
1: I definitely think it meant come Monday morning. The, the courses will full of uh, 50-somethings out there saying "If Phil can do it, I can do it, hitting the courses. You know, Phil's had a remarkable career. He's a surefire Hall of Fame golfer. In fact, I think he is the second best golfer in our generation behind Tiger. Uh, but when you talk about certain spo- sports like golf, baseball, that have such a long storied history, that it's really hard to kind of break into that top tier, the, the all-time great list. Of, you know, the top, you've got... To get really nitpicky about someone's career, and even if it was a great career, um, you know Phil's had a good career. Uh, I think he's kind of underperformed in some of his uh, championships, uh, and for that reason i'm I don't have him in my top ten. Uh, I, I have him just outside at number eleven. you know, Phil choked three majors uh, that should have been wins um, the twenty. 2006 U.S. Open, the 2009 U.S. Open, and then the 2011 British Open. Um, most memorable to me is that 2006 U.S. Open, where all he needed was a par to win. He ended up going like double bogey. Uh, you know, had he won that event, it would have been his third consecutive major. And I think that alone kind of would have elevated his career just to to be able to string those together. Uh, you know, he's also had 13 finishes in second and third in the majors, including, um, five times he's come in second place the u.s open so he's just never been able to kind of capitalize and i I think that he could have had some more there's a lot of good golfers in in history that have you know 10 plus major wins so with six he's still outside even though i think he's you know the second best golfer of, of my generation
0: yeah, you know, I think this this past win definitely, you know, cemented his, you know, two t- last two decades of golf being one of the top guys out there. And I think he really, you mentioned he's the second best golfer of our time. I, w- I would certainly agree with that sentiment. He's been doing it for quite a long time, and I think if he if he doesn't, you know, choke, you 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 know, took my talking points points with the three the three choked uh, majors in his career, but um you know, besides those, I mean, he's been a fairly consistent guy. He's been, um you know, one of the top guys for the last 20, 25 years. Unfortunately, I think, right. you know, he came in right before Tiger. So he was kind of the, the premier young guy on, on the, in the <clears> field. And then here comes Tiger Woods out of nowhere and has just, you know, stolen the show in our lifetime anyway. But, um, you know, when you think golf, at least in the last Twenty twenty five years. I mean, the handful of names that anybody could probably tell you, even those people who are not watching golf every weekend, you know, it's tiger woods. And then the second name they're probably mentioning is Phil Mickelson. And, right. um, you know, his, his, uh, defining feature, his nickname, you know, his left-handed play has always been something that distinguished him from the rest of the course. You know, he's, he's an easy guy to like, um, oh, great character. And, oh yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Allison, Um, we were watching, we were actually watching the PGA championship last weekend and I was, you know, nothing against Phil, but I'm like, you know, golf's a great sport. When you look at the guy who just won the tournament and he doesn't like scream athlete, (laughs) you know, I mean, he's 50 years old. Right. But I mean, if, if you didn't know who he was, I don't think you say, oh yeah, that guy's a professional athlete, but he's an easy guy to get behind. Um, he's certainly going to make the Ryder cup now for team USA after this, um, this major win. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him continue this streak this year. Um, I don't know how many years left he has at this level. But um, at, the other main point of this story is the farther we go with medicine and technology, the longer these guys are able to play at the top of their game. So I would probably say that this record will be broken again a lot sooner than it was since 68 to now um, in the future.
1: Yeah, technology in, in sports just kind of allows you to, to go longer and you know play longer and, and all that. So not to mention you know, the medical uh, improvements as well. So, <clears throat> Well, we heard rumors that Atlanta was shopping around their star wide receiver, Julio Jones, going back to even before this year's draft. Atlanta reportedly was seeking a first-round pick for Jones. They couldn't find any takers before the draft. You know, and I originally thought there was a little chance that he would play for another team this season. But over the weekend, Julio was spotted in Dallas wearing a Cowboys hoodie, even taking pictures, which prompted Shannon Sharp to call Julio live on his show Undisputed. And when asked if he wanted to stay in Atlanta, Julio said he's out of there. You know, with Julio all but gone from Atlanta, Brian, where do you see him being the best fit? Man, this
0: story's really turned sideways since we last talked about it. I mean, um the fact that you know there's talk out there that Julio didn't even know that Shannon was on the air when this phone call went down and you could oh, yeah. you could tell he didn't no way he do right um it's so interesting, but um I would say you know we talked about last time there was no way he was playing for another team. I would say there's no way he's playing for Atlanta now right um, so there's speculation out there sources have said that a first-round pick has been offered for him, you know that that's come from Atlanta, <laughs> the source, right? But um, to get to the main question, I think there's a few teams that make sense, Um, and he made it clear to Shannon he wants to win now, right? So obviously it's not up to him where he goes, but if you we were going to talk about teams that could use him and utilize him this season to really propel themselves to the – you know, Super Bowl contender conversation. I think there's two, at least, that come into my mind. Um, And I'll start with the NFC. I think the Niners would be a good fit for them. Um, You know, they have Kittle. um, They have some decent wide receivers, but, I mean, they don't have that go-to guy. The question is Garoppolo, Lance, for their starting quarterback. I think that that division that they're in with, Saint, or with L, sorry, L.A. and Seattle, uh, awesome. any help they can get on the offensive side of the ball I think would, would be with you know open arms. That would certainly be a team that Julio, I can't imagine, would be upset to go to. I think they do have the potential personnel to make a deep <coughs> run into the playoffs. Of course, the biggest question being quarterback. But I think the number one fit for Julio um, would be Baltimore. You know, they've struggled at the wide receiver position the last couple of years. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that they have ranked last in the league in wide receiver receiver receptions the last two years. Um, And the AFC's only gotten better. Um, Maybe two, three years ago, they were that number two team in the AFC, um, number three team behind New England and Kansas City. Now New England's dropped off, of course, but now Cleveland, Buffalo, they've come up into the mix. And, you know, what makes all those teams dominant? They all have dominant number one wide receivers, and Baltimore does not have that. Um, So I think if Baltimore really wants to push themselves to the top of the AFC, they should be going after him. I don't know what capital they have to give up to get him, but I think at the end of the day, Baltimore is probably the spot where he comes in, he's the clear number one, has a quarterback that can get him the ball um, or run it to his side of the field. (laughs) <laughs> right, um, it, But I think that would make the most sense, would be
1: Baltimore. I do think the Ravens would have been a good fit for Julio. Um, it would give Lamar the true number one wide receiver that he's desperately needed his entire career. But Baltimore has never made a splash for a wide receiver. They passed on Juju Smith-Suster, who was only worth like nine and a half right. uh, on his contract this earlier this season. So I don't know that I see them... Being a realistic uh, team for the trade. But I, I do think that that is one spot where he absolutely would fit in and do really well. Uh, you know, it still kind of catches me by surprise that he demanded a trade. I know the Falcons finished at last in the NFC last year, but I still feel like that team was better than almost anybody in the NFC North, better than Detroit. At better than the injury-riddled San Francisco last year, right? You know, right. now they have Pitts, Mike Davis. That's a, that's a stacked offense. You know, <clears throat> talking about Julio, Pitts, Davis, Ridley. You know, with a veteran quarterback, that that's a good offense. So it surprises me that he requests a trade. Um, but you know, going back to the story with Dallas and why he's in Dallas. So he's in Dallas because he's working out with Titans running back Derrick Henry this off season. And the Titans have lost a number two wide receiver, Corey Davis to the Jets of free agency earlier this season, which, you know, he had 92 targets last year. So that's easy for Jones to come in and absorb those 92 targets. They also lost our tight end and uh Jonu Smith. Um, he was a red zone target. So now you got red zone targets for him. Plus the 92 catches. You know, if you pair Julio with Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry and AJ Brown, that's a potential for a really potent offense uh, and one that could really make waves in that conference. So I, I think, you know, him working out with the Titans, maybe it's uh, that that's maybe a spot that he can do. And I know that they've got a bunch of capital set aside for A.J. Brown, uh, but he said that he would make room for him. So and they can make that work in Tennessee. So.
0: Agreed. I like to see him in the NFC. <laughs> stay in right. the NFC. Oh yeah, stay with um, But uh, you know, he's eligible to be traded as early as Tuesday the 2nd. Yep, so, first. um a lot of people are speculating that or yeah, the first um speculating that um he's going to go that day. First day somewhere. We'll see. I don't know if it's going to happen I that soon. I think we're going to see a
1: lot of moves after that June 1st cap hit deadline. Right. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are are going to probably try to move some guys, make some room.
0: Well, it'll give us lots to talk about next week. But yep. until then, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers once again. So Aaron Rodgers did not report to the Packers' voluntary OTAs on Monday, but after nearly a month of evading the media, he finally made a public appearance. Rodgers was a guest on SportsCenter to celebrate the final show of his friend and longtime ESPN anchor Kenny Mayne. While Kenny wasn't able to get specifics out of Aaron. Rodgers did talk about his uh, philosophical differences with the Packers organization, stating, with my situation, it's never been about the draft pick. It's about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about character, it's about culture, it's about doing things the right way. After finally hearing from Rodgers, Logan, do you think it's more or less likely that he plays in Green Bay this season?
1: I'm actually shifting to the more likely side these days. I feel like they can salvage this relationship. It's not a guarantee, but they can. And his own words, Rodgers loves Green Bay. He loves the fans. He loves his coaching staff, loves his team. He even likes Jordan Love. He's not making threats. He's not calling out management overtly. You know, if Rogers' problem really is the culture and the attitude that the Packers have, then Green Bay they can address that and they can correct that. That means that Gudikunz has to humble himself and really, like, you know, show real humility. Go to Rogers with his hat in hand and say, "Here's my hat. I'm eating it. I was wrong." And I think if Gudikunz can do that, I think the relationship between the Packers and Rogers can be saved for this season. With him not being a cap hit and moving on later on, maybe he'll even sign a long-term deal, but I think that if Green Bay can do that, I think this relationship can be salvaged, and that he will show up. He's not going to show up for OTAs. He's not going to show up early to minicamp. Uh, you know, he'll come in. He is the system. He doesn't need to practice. So he'll, he'll wait till as long as possible, but I think that he'll come back.
0: I agree, and I also agree that it comes down to Green Bay's front office. Um, they need to it, it. They need to play this very, very carefully because this isn't just about Rodgers either. This is about the future of that franchise. Because what is this telling other players that maybe want to come to Green Bay in free agency? Hey, listen, <clears throat> you could be a sixteen-year quarterback for us, win the MVP and we're going to treat you like everybody else. I understand that you want to have a culture where no player is more important than the other, but when you have the arguably best quarterback in the NFL on your team who just won the MVP award, I feel like there hasn't been enough by Green Bay's front office to kind of acknowledge that fact and what Rodgers means to Green Bay. And, uh, you know, I do think the front office needs to, like you said, eat their hat you have a a special guy in Aaron Rodgers who can lead you to the promised land. And I think his statements here, like you said, are very indicative of how he feels about Green Bay, what he wants from the team, and what he's looking for moving forward. It doesn't help Green Bay's case, and I don't know if you heard this, but uh, I guess there was a Sports Business Journal poll that came out about the uh, leading candidates for Jeopardy. Did you hear about this? No. They did like a poll, right? And I don't know who they polled, whether it was like Jeopardy Watchers or, you know, it's Sports Business Journal. So I'm sure people that like sports are the ones participating in this poll. But apparently, out of all the people that have guest hosted Jeopardy so far, um, Ken Jennings was the favorite, right? And Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers was second. Immediately after that poll came out, like hours later, Green Bay made a statement that they were not offering aaron Rodgers, a restructured contract at this time so it's like what are you doing jeez, oh, right using it as leverage essentially against him right oh well i guess right. that jeopardy job's not going to work out for you but uh by the way we're also not giving you a new contract at this time so i don't know what green bay's <coughs> deal is and we kind of touched on it last last week with the whole you know they're they're owned by the fans of Green Bay Wisconsin, they have this very old school, you know, no individuals above the team philosophy. But this can't be something new because I feel like this is Brett Favre all over again. He didn't want to be there. That's a little bit
1: different than Brett Favre. I know,
0: it's a little bit different, but it's still a pattern, right? There's still a pattern here. That's it seems familiar.
1: Well, right? the issue with Brett was I I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to retire. They they just couldn't wait any longer. Um, and that was kind of the issue with him. This is a little bit different. Aaron wants to play. Aaron wants to be there. You know, uh, so do you
0: think he wants to be there as much as his comments say he wants to be there because he doesn't really strike me as the, you know, he he's definitely a leader and he's a great player, but he doesn't strike me as like the the Tom Brady I'm having lunch and dinner with the front office guy like how many times do you think him and Kraft, like you know had dinners or like got no, together absolutely. talked about the team i feel like rogers is more like he has a barrier of entry and he only lets certain people in and oh. I don't, obviously i don't think that anybody in that front office is in that circle so like as much as i want to say it's all green fault, i think aaron still has some blame in this oh, situation, because 100%. you have to, you have to be open to the front office. And yeah, if you're this caliber of player, you have to be buddy buddy with the front office. In my opinion, if you want to make mm-hmm. meaningful changes on the personnel,
1: yeah, right. So, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers has sat back and he's surveyed the teams that are realistic options for him to go to. Uh, you know, you're not going to Kansas City. You're not going to to uh, you know Tampa. They're not going to Buffalo, you know. So there's teams out there that, that aren't interested in him. And I, to be honest, right, there may be more teams that aren't interested in him than, than just that because of his age and, and all of this, to be honest. So I think that once he's sat back and surveyed the land and said, okay, these are the top five teams, Green Bay still might give him the best chance to win. Right. Ultimately, I think that's what he wants. He wants to right. win. So I think that Green Bay is still an appealing offer for him. And I think that certain athletes strive on playing their entire career in one spot and being that guy. You right. know? Mm-hmm. And I think Aaron kind of strikes me as potentially being that kind of guy. Could be wrong. But <laughs> anyway, we'll switch over to NBA. The uh, NBA playoffs are going uh, finally tipped off. Memphis Grizzlies claim the A seed by knocking out the Golden State Warriors out of the play in tournament. In the West, the matchups consist of the Jazz and the Grizzlies, Clippers versus Dallas, the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, and the Suns are taking on the defending champion Lakers. In the East, we have the Wizards and the 46ers, the Knicksers facing off against the Hawks, Bucks versus the Heat, and last but not least, we got Boston and and, uh, the Nets. In all, there should be a, no shortage of action and excitement intrigue in the first round. But with that said, how do you see the first round shaking out?
0: Well, I mean, basketball is weird. We talked about it this year, but I think for the most part, you're going to see, at least in the first round, a lot of top, top-seeded teams, um, especially in the East, um, walking away with, with series victories. I think we'll start with the East and just be quick because I think those matchups are a little bit more lopsided than the mm-hmm. West. Um, you know, Brooklyn's probably going to take it um, in four or five games against Boston. Um, you know, the Bucks are already up 3-0 on Miami, so I think that one's pretty much all but over. Um, the Knicks and Hawks is probably the closest. Um, you know, Atlanta leads 2-1 at the time of this podcast. Um, I would really like to see the Knicks um, come back and win um that series, but I could see that one going either way. I'll pick um, the Knicks to make a surge and come back and win that one. and then the seventy sixers up two0 on Washington. So I think that you know the seventy sixers take that one, which those those are all the top four seeds um in those matchups Now the West the West has gotten real interesting real fast, and we have the benefit to, of course, be doing this you know, halfway through the series, but, you know, we'll start with the Lakers, the defending champs. They're up 2-1, right, on Mm -hmm. Phoenix. Phoenix is the two-seed. They're a very good basketball team, but I think the Lakers take this in five or six games against Phoenix, and I say that for two reasons. A, Chris Paul is having problems, health problems in this series again. He's not 100% going into game four, you know, as much as he's taken more of a, you know, On court coach type role where he's, you know, the distributor as opposed to the number one guy scoring. Um, Devin Booker's certainly taking that over. If he's not 100%, I think, I don't think the Suns can overcome Um, the Lakers. And the Lakers just have size on them. You know, I mean, the the Lakers are a big team. And uh, LeBron's getting back into form. Anthony Davis um, had a great third quarter against Phoenix um, last night. If they play like they did in that third quarter, they're going to be hard to beat. With any team um but so I'm, I'm I think the Lakers and that's technically I guess not an upset if you're going by Vegas odds because like the Lakers are favored um but certainly a 7, two, seven seed over the two seed in any other year would be an upset I'll just talk about the other two that I think are going to be quick. I think Denver's going to probably take it against uh Portland props to the Trailblazers. though they're playing really good basketball. I just don't think they have enough firepower um to keep up with Denver over a seven game series. And then I think Utah, you know, the number one seed is eventually going to, um, it's tied one, one now, but th- I, I think they take a t- demanding lead here over the next couple games and, and take that series. So the most interesting series so far, in my opinion, is LA and Dallas and, Clippers, you know, yeah. the, huh? The Clippers. Yeah. Right. And, you know, for a couple of reasons, a, um, you know, the Clippers debatably tanked at the end of the season to get Absolutely. Dallas, right?
1: They, they chose their matchup.
0: Right, and it's not working out at all. And L.A. is going to be in a very weird scenario here. If they go down 3-0, it's 63-61 a half as we're recording this. But if you go down 3-0... To Dallas, who's manhandled them over the first two games, um, and I don't want to get into this too much because it'll sp- spur a whole nother conversation. But they're going to have to go back to the drawing board because Kawhi and Paul George are clearly not the answer yeah. in in LA for the Clippers. They needs in some sort of on the court leader. <clears throat> I've always liked Kawhi, but I don't think he's ever been that leader for a team, and I don't think Paul George, Paul George is either. I think Dallas wins the series in five or six because Luka Doncic is just taking that series over.
1: Yeah. So I I agree with a lot of what you said. I, you know, I decided to do something a little bit different from my predictions. I kind of went by like confidence levels. So my first tier is like that, that 100% confident they're moving on to the second round in a convincing fashion. So, like, you know, no less than like a 4 1 record. So, uh, you know, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, like you said. They're not much to say. These are just way superior teams compared to their their competition. Um, so I have no you know no, I don't see them having any issues moving on. Um, <clears throat> tier two, I'm going to call that the uh, they should make it Out group, and i got Denver and I've got Utah, uh, Denver and Portland. It's a very solid match. These teams are you know very closely in you know, match in talent. I think the key here is actually their, the Nuggets trade deadline acquisition of Gordon. Um, yeah. You know, I know, well, he know very well he can play defense. Oh, yeah. Um, it's his decision-making. But I think Gordon against Damian, Limber, Damian Lillard uh, will cool Lillard off enough that Denver should move on You know to the next round. Um, Utah, they should be in that first tier. Uh, but the, Gridley, the Grizzlies have been playing playoff basketball for weeks now just to make it into this far. You know, they took out Golden State, which neither of us thought was going to happen. And, you know, they are hot, and, and you know, the Jazz have been waiting. But I, I do think that they will move on. Um, I'd be surprised if, if you know, Mem- if Memphis wins the series. I could see them winning one more game, uh, you know. But, you know, John Moran, he's, he's good, man. He's fun to watch. So uh, my my tier three and my last tier that's the who the hell knows group. I've got the Lakers, Clippers, and Knicks moving on. I really wanted to say the Suns should have no issue moving past the Lakers, but I, I just can't do it. I can't. You know the Lakers' defense is is elite. That defense is so good. Uh, you know Davis. He's had his issues, but he can't suck forever. He's getting better. He's playing well. They've got LeBron. You know LeBron. As much as I dog him and He's he's fantastic. He's a great player, and he can will himself to win. Uh, I think Chris Paul's injury, like you said, is going to impact the series, and and unfortunately, it's you know probably the the one thing that could have maybe made this last longer. But <clears throat> um, so I got I got the Lakers moving on. Originally, I was fairly confident about the Clippers moving on. They tanked, like you like you said earlier, to get this matchup. This is what they want. They were confident. I thought they kind of had the edge in all the positions except for point guard. (laughs) But this series has not gone how I expected. So that's not over yet, but um, they need this is a must win for them. They've got to win tonight. Um, And the last team is the Knicks. You know, heading into playoffs, my fear for the Knicks was that they don't have that next gear that teams need in the playoffs to, to be successful. The Knicks play their best players extremely heavy minutes. They play them hard. So I think this is like their top gear, and I don't know that they can take it to the next level. You know, when it comes to playoff teams time, all the teams are playing their best starters more minutes uh, and following that same kind of pattern. So those other teams are going to catch up to the Knicks, and I don't know that the Knicks can, can take it to the next step so but i i do think that they should beat atlanta but who the hell knows so
0: anything can happen in playoff basketball right so oh, we'll have to wait and see each round will get more entertaining for sure but uh you know going from uh nba playoffs to nhl uh, the capitals began their playoff run with great optimism about going on a long postseason run and won Game 1 of their Series 3-2 in overtime. But the Bruins won four straight after that, including an overtime win in Game 2 and a double overtime win in Game 3 to send the Capitals into another offseason. The Capitals haven't won a playoff series since they won the Stanley Cup back in 2018. Since hoisting the Cup, the Capitals lost in seven games to the Hurricanes in the first round of the 2019 playoffs, were eliminated in five games by the New York Islanders in the first round of last season, and then, of course, losing in the first round to Boston this year. The biggest question heading into the Capitals offseason is similar to the one they faced last season. Does this aging group have enough to win another championship?
1: Simply no. You know, since 2018, the Capitals have only gotten older. Instead of getting younger, they signed a 44 year old Zato Chara. They're slower, and each year they're kind of getting more removed from that true playoff contender. Uh, You know, since 2018, they've only won five of their 17 playoff games they've played in. And at times, I mean, they've looked, especially in this Boston series, they've looked two steps behind every team that's eliminated them. Uh, I'm not saying they're not a good team. They've got a bunch of super talented guys on the roster. But I feel like year after year, the Capitals go on this roller coaster. They start out really strong. They climb up in the standings. They claim that number one spot. they, They gain some separation. And then they kind of dip, and they climb back up, and then they kind of coast into the playoffs. And there's always some kind of issue, and they look old and tired. And uh, you know, looking at next year, Washington only has nine and a half million dollars in cap space to work with. But that doesn't account for Ovechkin, who is unrestricted free agent. But I do think he'll come back. So last this season. Ovechkin costs nine and a half million dollars, so that's their entire cap, and they still need to, you know, sign a couple of other people. So they don't have money and capital in space to get faster, younger players without making some trades. So this group right now is not going to be the team that gets them a cup if they ever want to get in with this group. Um, they're going to have to make some trades. You know, they're going to have to get faster, and maybe that means them trading a guy like. Kuznetsov, who's been kind of a disappointment the last couple of years, after being the best scorer on that team in 2018, he's you know been busted for cocaine. He got COVID twice. Got the Capitals in trouble for partying and beginning of the season. Like, he's just not been the guy they need, and and he's a super talented guy, but he needs to change his scenery to focus up. So, and even a guy like Tom Wilson, there's a lot of teams that want a guy like Tom Wilson. I have my issues with him, but there are teams that want him. So, you know, those are two of the guys that may have to kind of move on to uh, create some room for maybe some younger players.
0: Yeah, but, you yeah. know, yeah, I'll be brief. I mean, because most of what I would say is, you know, just repeating what you did, it's a, it's a hard answer. I mean, if they keep what they have now, I agree it's no. And it, the the easiest way to know that is just look at the trend. Right, I mean, um, you win it in eighteen. You know, twenty nineteen was a hard fought first season, um, our first series against Carolina. But then last year, you know, you lose in five, and then you lose again in five this year. Obviously, the trend is downward. You can't, in professional sports, get older and older and win. I think that they can with reshuffling of personnel like you mentioned Ovechkin I don't I agree I think he comes back I think he wants to play his entire NHL career for the Caps um regardless of who's there with him um but they definitely need to move some pieces around get younger get faster and uh they s- certainly have a chance with Ovechkin there every year um but things do not look like they're going in the right direction um, from a personnel stand personnel standpoint, right now, um, and I think the the proof's in the pudding, right? So last couple of years have not gone well. Got to make some kind of a change.
1: Now they need that next guy up. I mean Ovechkin, he's getting old, and you know we saw him have injuries this year, which is uncharacteristic of him. Um, so I think that he'll miss more and more time as this next, you know, one, two, maybe three years that he has left. So. They're gonna need someone else to step up. Um, you know, there was talks of Yoshi going to Seattle with the expansion. I think that's kind of quieted down now, too. So, uh, but that the the Capitals are the oldest team in the NHL. So,
0: see what they do in the off season. They might even get older. Who knows? They could. Um, so, three time scoring champion, champion and the, the season's MVP front runner, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers were favored in their playoff matchup against the Winnipeg Jets. However, the Oilers were swept by the Jets, and, and for the second straight season, McDavid has made an early exit from the playoffs. Logan, who do you got feeling worse about the Oilers getting swept out of the playoffs, McDavid or the NHL?
1: The answer has to be McDavid. You know, he, he's the best player in the NHL right now, in my opinion, and he's only advanced to the second round of the playoffs for once in six years. You know, the NHL still has big teams in the playoffs. They still have you know, uh, Toronto, they still have the uh, Lightning, Boston. There's a lot of teams with a lot of players um, that are still in there. I'm sure they wanted Pittsburgh to move on just because of the viewership that that brings. But, I mean, the NHL still has a lot of stars like Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon is still in the playoffs. I'm sure they wanted, you know, McDavid to make it farther, but McDavid's got to kind of do some soul searching and find out what's going on with that team because. They should have won that series. That they are way more talented. They've got the two best goal scorers in the league on that team, and they just couldn't get past them. So,
0: yeah, for sure, it's McDavid. I mean, the NHL, like you said, certainly has an interest in getting the top market teams to the next round just for viewership dollars. But like you mentioned, this is the first round. We got plenty of teams left um, that are on the table to, you know, bring that viewership moving towards the Stanley Cup Finals. But uh for McDavid great season any player that's of that caliber and then they get knocked out in the first round you know that they're going h- home feeling like you know just like a complete loser I mean to have that season and then get swept in the first round it's not even like they lost in seven games in a hard fought matchup it was just like hey listen yeah. you guys aren't even at our level in a series that they were favored so I'm sure he is really feeling it this off season. and uh for Edmonton they better be careful because you don't want to lose him
1: <clears throat> yeah Oh, yeah. I don't think they're in jeopardy of him moving on yet. Um, I'm not sure what his contracts have, but I think that he's he's pretty comfortable there. It's a good team. They have a good core. Right. Uh, so maybe just got to find that one or two more pieces to mm-hmm. get them to the next level. So
0: They're a good regular
1: season team. <sighs> yep, yep, like Capitals. <laughs> well, and this week in sports, uh, back in – 1993 Jose Canseco gave us one of the greatest bloopers in sports history when Carlos Martinez hit a ball deep in the right field Canseco dropped back to make what should have been a routine catch but instead the ball dinked off his head and hopped over the fence giving uh, Martinez the home run I I remember this this was one of those uh things oh, that yeah. was on repeat for a long time oh yeah I can see the play in my head uh-huh and he just kind of didn't know where the ball went. And it's, yeah. Konseko, uh, he's, he's a character. He's been able to laugh about this and, and all that. But uh, certainly uh, not his his shining moment. So, well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week with an all new Sideline Sports cast. Don't forget to check out our social medias at Sideline Casters on both Facebook and media, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. Good one.